Hola, everybody. I'm so excited for this one. This is Taylor, my good friend Taylor. We met in Hawaii. I used to live in Hawaii, and I met Taylor. Taylor's still in Hawaii, and he's an absolute stud. He qualified. Listen to this. He qualified for the world championship of the Ironman triathlon. He is a stud. And actually, when we were in Hawaii, we met, and the day we met, we both mentioned that we were both training for an Ironman later that year. And because I used to live on the east coast of Oahu, in Kailua, and there's this island a quarter mile offshore, and I kept bringing it up to people. I was like, hey, you going to swim there? You want to swim there? There and back, obviously, and people were like, no, are you nuts? There's sharks. Let's not. No, absolutely not. Taylor's the only guy who took me up on it, aside from my brother, who's an absolute beast. You can't teach that. And so we swam a quarter mile out, quarter mile back. We then did a bike ride on the North Shore. Taylor is a great fountain of information for endurance athletes. If you guys want to do a marathon, you guys want to do some kind of endurance endeavor, Taylor has done coaching before. He can take you from couch to marathon, and he has a background in endurance training. In college, he ran cross country, and right now he's preparing for the Boston Marathon. I'm so excited to introduce you guys to him because he's a fountain of knowledge and I'm so amped because in this talk, because we cover how to stack your workouts, how to stack your training, do it in blocks so you can train to peak, like he says, and get ready for your race. So without further ado, here is Taylor. Shoots, brada! Yeah, so it works, man. So. All right, Taylor, what's up, brother? How's it going, man? Doing well, man. Long time, long time. I know. How you been? How was Spain? Been good, dude. Oh, it's, it's, it's awesome, man. It's awesome. But you, you're living in paradise still, man. You're still in Hawaii, right? I am, yep. It's awesome, <laughs> man. Uh, how's it been? Been good. Just, you know, living the life. Um, quit my 9 to 5 back in March, which was awesome. Okay. And, uh... Yeah, I've just been doing video work since and, you know, raising a kid and all that fun stuff. So, yeah, yeah it's man. been kind of crazy. Yeah, I love your beautiful young family, man. High energy. Uh, on it, is she doing well? Yeah, she's doing awesome. Business is doing good. And, yeah, yeah we're thinking about maybe having a second kid so Reef can have a sibling. So. <laughs> nice, yeah. We'll see. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, a lot of Days like around. today, it's like in question. <laughs> oh, man, I bet. Dude, so um, for those who don't know, Taylor and I, we uh, met in Hawaii. I used to live in Hawaii for a bit, and Taylor is a G. Taylor has a background in training long distances. I think it wasn't <clears throat> triathlon you did in college, right? It was something else. It was track, right? I did cross country. Cross country, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, you're G-G. a stud, man. Tell me about your cross-country days and how that got you to transition into triathlon. Yeah, well, I mean, I I guess how it started, all kind of triathlon started was I, in high school, I was doing cross-country, and I had gotten injured, like, my sophomore year. And so, like, to stay in shape, I, my dad suggested that I train for a triathlon. Uh, like over the summer so I just like swam and biked because I couldn't really run as much um, with my injury so I had like like some hip issues and so I went kind of the triathlon route and that kind of like it kind of got me hooked because it was I liked the idea of changing events which is fun because it was it wasn't just like strictly running so it, right. it changed up the monotony of the training and um 
so that's kind of how I got into triathlon. But my first triathlon was a sprint triathlon in high school. I ended up taking first, and so that kind of like let's go. Yeah, kind of gave me the green lights. Like, okay, this is something I I should pursue a little bit more. But then I did like four or five in high school, and then just like sprint and Olympic distances, and okay. then. After high school, I came from a very competitive high school in cross country, and mm-hmm. so pretty much everyone on my high school team went and ran D1 or D2, um, and like it was deep enough to where there was like a good 20 runners um, in my high school that, um, uh, you know, we all went to college for running and everything. Wow. Um, and so, yeah, I didn't immediately go. I took a year gap between... Uh, high school and then my actual college career but um, eventually made my way onto a team and came out here to Hawaii and yeah and that's I don't know I, I wasn't uh my it's kind of funny my college career I wouldn't say was as deep as my my high school like training but I, I learned a lot and once you jump from high school to college too it's a whole nother level of intensity and length too because the races get in high school, it's like a 5k in college. It's an 8k and a 10k race. Um, and so, and yeah, just the training's a lot different too. When you get to college, at least mine was, we were doing high mileage. So we were doing like a hundred mile weeks pretty often. How do you Uh, get a kid to do that though? Like the mental game, you know, because I feel like, yeah, the distances might get longer if you're an adult, a young adult, but the mentally though, I feel like obviously prefrontal cortex isn't developed yet at all, but how do you, is it the team? Like, how do you get everyone to be on the same page? Like, Hey, let's do this. Yeah. Really difficult thing. I mean, that's, that's a great question. It's never something I really truly sat down and thought about, but like, I honestly think, um, what made it like bearable and like worthy, like a worthy of pursuit is the fact that it was a good team. It was a good camaraderie. And, like, my high school team, like I said, we were so deep, and there was a good group of, like, 20 of us that were just – and we all kind of clicked and vibe really well. Yeah. And, like, when you have a good team, you know, it's always it's always good to battle. Like, as long as you have some competitive nature in you, it's easy to kind of, like, grasp onto that. And so, like, in college, too, it's just a matter of, like, having a good team. And the fact that we were here in Hawaii, we got to literally run through the jungle every single day. Let's go. And, like, run through the hills was just a lot of fun. And so we were constantly exploring it. So that was, a, like, a big aspect to it that um, I think really, like, drove me to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. But, um, I mean, also just, like, for me, I'm a very competitive person, too. So, like, the aspect of just getting better and beating my teammates and yeah. and that's the biggest thing. I think beating your teammates kind of comes first in like a sport like running because without that then you don't really have a competitiveness to to train like the you don't have the the competition in training then you don't really have the desire to like compete in in uh or as much desire to compete in like races and stuff so Yeah. yeah i mean i i feel like the team aspect was a huge reason and like why i was able to push myself that far but also like i don't know i've kind of always had this like grungy mentality towards (laughs) yeah just kind (laughs) of not quite a goggins but just like a a desire to see how far the human body can go and like finding that limit and keep pushing it i feel like i've always kind of had that nice desire 
Yeah, and then that's something that can definitely be trained, but it's much easier if you start off young with that. That's that's great. That's awesome. So yeah. I, I wanted to ask you about your um, Ironman in particular um, because yeah. when I when we met, you had yet you haven't done the seventy point three yet. Yeah, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Let me. I think I have written down here. You were supposed to do that. <laughs> that was supposed to be in June, right? In Kona. In yeah, I did that June twenty twenty one. 2020, I think. Okay. No, it would have been 2020, 21, okay. because of COVID and everything. Right, but that that yeah. one you com- you completed no problems, right? But it was it was because of that race that you qualified for the world championship, right? Yeah, correct. Yeah. Okay, cool. That's crazy. <laughs> you you qualified for the world championships, which is also supposed to be in Kona, right? Yeah, it was supposed to be in Kona, but because of COVID. They kept delaying it. So they first, um, it was supposed to be in Kona 2021, October 2021. But then, like, literally a month and a half, I think it was, like, 45 days out, they decided to move it again. Um, And so they moved it to February. Mm -hmm. And they said, we're still going to hold it in Kona. And then in, like, the first week of December, they changed it again. Um, and said that they're going to split the participants and half of them are going to go towards, go to do a world championship in St. George, Utah. Mm-hmm. And the other half are going to go to Kona. And we actually got to choose um, as long as you were able to choose quickly enough. Uh-huh. But I actually chose to go with St. George because I just didn't know, I didn't want to deal with the possibility of it being pushed again. Right. Uh, and the funny thing is now it's, they're actually going to be moving uh, the world championship race to Nice, France. Huh. So, um, there's kind of like this aura around Kona, Kona, Kona. Yeah. But the fact that I live in here in Hawaii and that I've raced on that course multiple times, um, I just felt like I wanted to try something different. So I, I chose the St. George, St. George course. Okay. So that opens up a whole different thing because you were open to trying something new. Were you upset that was postponed? I saw. I remember at first you were postponed at. You were upset at the first postponement to February, but when they postponed yeah. it again, were you still upset or were you like, okay, let's just? Well, do it's it. funny is because they held seventy point three in twenty twenty one of June. Yeah, June of twenty twenty one, and so the race was set for October of twenty twenty one. So it didn't make sense to me like why the state of Hawaii would allow a 70.3 and it was like half the participants that are in the world championship race, but like the venue and like the area which they hold the, you know, finish line and everything is like three times as large as the normal one. So yeah, I was, I was upset. And I think the hardest thing was, is you, you put yourself in, especially Ironman training, like it's twice a day, every day for at least six months. And the fact that you just kept pushing it out, pushing it out, pushing it out. So there was like never really a rest. Um, so I got, I was pretty frustrated because it was like, I had started beginning of the year of 2021, kind of like this goal to do the half. And if I qualified for the full, then I would pursue the full. So it was like nine months of training, essentially, like, I felt like not necessarily wasted, but just kind of, uh, you know, you train to peak. And when you train to peak, it <clears throat> can be really del- like, debilitating if you know something gets pulled under you or like you get injured or you know 
things like that. So if, I just felt like it was just kind of a little cheated that I was out of this experience. But then it's also like, you got to think, okay, like if you're in a race too, you can't just like have that mindset. Oh, well, oh, now it's over. I got a flat tire or something. Mm. Or, oh, I didn't have the greatest swim. I got to move on to the bike and the run. Like you still have a long day ahead of you. Right. And so like, I kind of brought that mentality towards the training. Like I was mad about it for a day, but I was like, oh, well, I'll just kind of stick to it. And, you know, they move it again. Oh, well. Um, so that's kind of yeah. where my mindset was. And that's kind of how you have to be. You can't really be upset with the things that you can't control. Right. Yeah. So, so that that's that's interesting. Yeah. And it's a good positive mindset you had. That's I mean, Obviously, you did it, which is great. But uh, you, you touched on something that I think um, – I'm not really familiar with my brother. I think I told you about him. He rose. He's also an endurance athlete. He rose. He rode in high school and college, and now he's rowing for like an adult team and on the Potomac River here. And you just said training to peak. Like, what is the Ironman training like structure looks like? Say you so you work backwards from the race day. Is that what you're saying? Like, basically have to like work. Say you have a newbie. Obviously, you don't have a new. You can't have a newbie at the World Championships. But like, say you have someone who doesn't know what they're doing, and they have a race day for a endurance event. How should they structure that? Yeah, so I mean, I kind of like to think of it, and like I've done some coaching too, so I kind of have some background with that as well. Nice. Um, and just even through all my running days and everything, and all my running training plans, it's kind of a similar tactic in terms of the buildup, and so. Like, if you're going from couch to Ironman, like, um, really, like, ideally, you'd want a full year, like, at least. Okay. Uh, but realistically, I mean, people probably need longer than that to get to that. But essentially, yeah, you kind of work back from race day. Like, essentially, so race day, you got, you know, your 2.4-mile swim, 112-mile bike, and then a marathon. Um, so you kind of got to break that down and be like some people train months for marathons so well i gotta bike 112 miles on top of that and swim 2.4 miles um so like structurally like week one of you know a six-month training block which is typical for like an ironman is like if you're gonna have one ironman race but even if you were to have multiple ironman races in one year you're you kind of break it up into blocks or quarters Mm. um Typically, like a block of training is like three weeks. Okay. And then typically, so your first three weeks of training are going to be in an in a Ironman block are going to be more minimal, just getting kind of like your feet and your, you know, your arms back in the water kind of thing. Just um, doing small mileage, um, not necessarily doing anything high intensity or intervals yet, but just like a building your base and then after the three weeks you typically have like a an off week which isn't necessarily an off week of training it's just a less um volume of training okay and so to give you like an example of what that would look like so for an ironman you'd probably swim a total of three times in the first week bike twice and run twice that would be like you're with no days off um, the first three weeks of training. And then you'd have a block where, or like the, the off week where you would do, you know, you'd swim twice, bike twice, and run twice. Mm-hmm. And it would only be like 30-minute sessions that first like three weeks and even the off week. But then like the second block, you'd then jump 
you know, um, from like 30 minutes sessions to an hour to an hour and a half sessions. And then you typically have four to five blocks leading up to an Ironman. And so the, each block, your, your volume of your training. So your, it increases. So like, instead of an hour run, you're going two and a half hours, you know, by the end. Um, and you're doing these five hour, hundred mile rides or 150 mile rides at the, you know, towards the end of your training sessions, uh, towards the end of the, the training, um, segment or whatever. So and the same thing with running, um, like running in college, we would train to peak in college too. So you train to peak towards the end of the season when you have your like more championship type races. Uh-huh. Uh, um, same thing in Ironman racing. Um, so like you still do quite a bit of volume throughout the training and people call it training through a race instead of like peaking for a race, mm. you don't have this taper period. So like typically if I was going to peak at like for a marathon, I'd have like a six to 10 day taper period where I don't run as much and I don't do as much high intensity. Um, but if I was going to train through it, I would just do like a normal week of training where I'd have two hard workouts and, okay. you know, a couple long runs and then just do the marathon whenever the marathon gotcha. was that week. Okay. The same thing with like a, a triathlon too. Um, people train through like a lot of the pros they'll train through a lot of these 70.3 races they'll typically maybe only do one ironman leading up to the world championship race um like one full distance ironman so is it recommended to at least hit the full distance before the actual event then no so uh, for biking yes um but you would never want to like do a full ironman distance like swim bike run in one day leading up to the race. Gotcha. But you may have like a hundred mile ride with a mile swim or something that day. Gotcha. Or um you know, there's I think a couple of my training sessions I could pull them up. I would do like a ninety mile ride, like a four hour ride, and then hop onto a two and a half hour run directly after. Um and those are called brick sessions. Yeah. So you, where you do like a bike run or a swim swim bike, um, and those are always long, lonely days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah. So I mean, like in terms of peaking, it's really it, it really comes down to what's your a race, like what's your what's the race you want to perform at, mm. and then when you do that, you kind of prime your body so you towards a race you would do more speed, interval type workouts. Um, and do the distance and then like six to ten days out you'd kind of start to taper off Um, and so your work your you know overall training volume comes way down the week prior to the race and then you're essentially firing on all cylinders for the race day kind of thing gotcha gotcha and so a lot of these athletes though they like you i mean they have multiple big races throughout the year are you supposed to just is it counterproductive to peak multiple times a year? Are you supposed to have an off period? Like, how does that usually work? No, so I mean, it depends too. It depends on like what distance you're trying to tackle. Um, But it's not uncommon. Like really you want to give yourself between peak periods um, and there's different science around it and different people are going to, and different people are different too. So like, 
you know, you may have someone who recovers a lot quicker and can peak, you know, twice in a month or something or, um, but for like myself, I, it really takes me like two whole months to really come around and have another like a type race. Okay. Um, so like if I'm going to be performing and giving my complete all out 110% of my ability, then I would, you know, I wouldn't structure another like race I'd want to do really well at. And I'm not at the level of like pro or anything. So I'm not peaking as much as I should be. But like, <clears throat> even in my off days, I even like kind of on my off periods where I'm not necessarily have a race on the schedule. I'll like kind of in my, I don't have like necessarily a structured training plan when I'm in my off periods, but I'll even like, even in my off periods, I'll like have goals that I want to hit throughout my off gotcha. period. Like, oh, I want to do a 18 minute 5k, you know, in three weeks kind of thing. Yeah. And that'll kind of be that goal for that, you know, three weeks. Um, and that's kind of how I structure. I've been on an off season now. Well, I, I just started actually a training block this last week. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in training to qualify for the Boston Marathon this year. Let's go. Uh, yeah so but yeah no i'm i've been on an off period for a good six months leading up to this so nice man. um how yeah were, how were you feeling on in may 2020 was it 2021 yeah it was just it was the last year world championship. yeah well how, how were you feeling that day the world championship game yeah day were yeah. you at a hundred percent uh honestly no i was kind of dealing with a little bit of like a sickness like a cold no. uh, leading up into the race like the week prior i had like kind of come down with like a scratchy throat and i was like oh this is like worst timing right yeah. and you know traveling there going to a whole new environment going from training in like hot humidity to kind of like a cold colder dry climate um was kind of also i think a shock to the system that's why i kind of caught a cold or my body just kind of reacted differently but the morning of too that's the other thing too is all in my training i'd never done like a wetsuit swim and mm. so leading up to the race i was actually kind of psyching myself out um i'd done wetsuit swims like in high school and stuff but like it's like a different choice not to yeah well the water temperature was like 58 degrees mm. um and so like just knowing where my training numbers were at and like what I was performing at prior, I was like, there's no way that I'm going to be able to hit my swim time that I want because I'm just going to be so freaking cold. (laughs) But, um, yes, I mean, day of, I was, I hadn't, I didn't, the other thing too, like most people don't tell you is like, you don't sleep the night before an Ironman. You just don't. (laughs) It's just got too much adrenaline in you. And the people that can like more power to them and they've probably done, hundreds of Ironmans to the point where it's just repetitive nature for them to, to just, you know, that's, that's their, that's their groove point is where they just, you know, racing is their groove. <laughs> so for like someone who's kind of like a newbie to the full distance Ironman, you just don't sleep the night before. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, Cause you, you go over your race plan mm-hmm. a million times in your head, you go over your nutrition, you think, Oh, did I pack all my, my, bags right did i you know second guess everything um yeah but i mean overall once you once like the gun went off i felt i felt actually pretty good nice nice uh 
but leading up to it, I was just, I wasn't necessarily doubtful. And that's the thing is like, when you tackle these endurance events, you have to like go with the mindset of I'm, I'm going to finish and not like, is it, is it possible? Or like, Mm. and of course it's possible. Like hundreds of thousands of people have done it. It's, it's possible. Of course it's possible. You just got to do it. So stop thinking and just do it. That's right. That's kind of like the mindset. And so like, once the gun went off and I jumped into the water, the funny thing was I missed my um, group call. Like when they do the age groups going into the water, yeah. I missed it. I didn't hear them um, say it. So I literally like was, I did like a full on half mile sprint in my wet <laughs> from like where my bike was all the way to the, and I was like skipping through people. And I literally jumped in with like the last three people in my age group. Oh, nice. Okay. And I wasn't wanting to do that because I wanted to be able to like stick with a pack. Right. But the good thing was, is the age group behind me was like the 30 to 35 age group. And that tends to typically tends to be like the quickest swim age group. And so I had some pretty fast swimmers on my feet. And so that kind of pushed me to push a little harder on the swim. Nice. But, um, yeah but i mean overall like i felt really good until like eight miles into the run honestly like swim went according to plan once i got in the water and got settled bike went according to plan i lost some nutrition on the bike because i had hit some like bumps in the road like the goo some cracks and um a water bottle filled with like 800 calories i just like lost it and so i kind of had to like I kind of had to work off the on-course nutrition, which didn't really sit too well with my stomach, which I think eventually led to my, like, I had some, like, GI distress on the marathon. Gotcha. Uh, like, eight miles into the marathon, I I hit the marathon, was hitting, like, 745-mile pace for the first, like, eight miles, and I felt good. And then I didn't have my nutrition, and I took a good on the course I'd never had before, and it just, like... My stomach was like, nope, no more. And also, I think it might have just been flavor fatigue, too, of, like, constantly eating, you know, high-sugared, you know, gels all day. Um, And that's something most people don't understand either when it comes down to, like, the, like, full-distance Ironman, too, or just, like, any really endurance event, like a 100-mile race or whatever. Um, And it's funny, the 70.3 race, actually, in Hawaii – I didn't even, um, like my nutrition plan was kind of like super basic and super beginner. I was like eating power bars and just drinking Gatorade. And then on the run, I decided to not take any Gatorade or until like mile 10. And so like, did you cramp up? I felt like, uh, no, actually surprisingly, I had, I had salt pills, okay. which I knew like from doing marathons, I knew I like would take salt pills, but I, for whatever reason, I was like trying to do this more like natural path, like only natural substances. So I had like, I was doing, um, RX bars yeah. on the bike. I had an RX bar on the run and then I like survived the run just off of like salt pills and water. You're an animal, which, dude. What? <laughs> <laughs> going looking back i would never do that again <laughs> oh, but you live and you learn and that's kind of like the process and i think that was i think one of the biggest benefits to the race um being post like the full distance race being postponed mm-hmm. multiple times i was able really able to dial in my nutrition plan because i think even in the moment where i like started to have some gi distress and my body was rejecting everything i was putting in it 
I still kind of, I had been to that point in training before. Good. So I knew what to do. Nice. Uh, so I kind of like stuck to Red Bull on the run <laughs> um, towards the end of the marathon, which Red Bull does give you wings, I can attest. Absolutely, man. Yeah, it's good that you know what to do so you don't get in a panic um when i did my 70.3 in arizona i haven't i hadn't done any or any i've done a few of the brick workouts you're talking about where you do one event followed by the other i don't know what happened but between the t2 so the between the bike and the, and the run my achilles or it was like my, I thought it was my calf, but it felt like it was the Achilles. It just wouldn't work. Like I couldn't walk. I couldn't run, obviously, so I couldn't walk. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I, I ruptured my Achilles 100%. But then I realized I've seen an, an Achilles rupture like with Kevin Durant on like it just snaps. I definitely don't yeah. have that. I'm, I'm clearly standing under my own weight. I can just walk it off. So I walked for like a minute or two and then I was like you know what it's gonna hurt anyways let's just run and so I just ran with this crazy pain for like I don't know five minutes and <laughs> I was like you know what it's not that bad who's gonna carry the boats and so just kid just went and eventually thank god it went away I don't know what it was did and I'm glad that you you're familiar with uh, all these moments do you know what that was like why why that pain down there was so strong in t2 it probably was something to do with the initial like shock of coming off the bike and then onto the run. Um, I had a similar thing happen to me in T2 as well, where my quad, like I, I sat down to put my shoes on and it literally just like my, my, my right leg just couldn't move. Uh, It was a weird feeling. Yeah. Uh, You're probably low on sodium. You probably needed something. Um, and then once like, your body got moving again, and that's the thing is like, once you come off the bike where you're putting probably a good effort at the end of the bike, because you're like, oh yes, yeah. I'm going to get to the end of the bike. So you kind of put in like kind of a push towards the end and then you go immediately into running. And that's why like, that is the bit the hardest transition. Like the swim to the bike is kind of more natural. Cause you're kind of like, I don't know, you're kind of, at least that's what people tend to say is the the bike to the run is the hardest transition. If yeah. you don't practice that, um, it can also be just like a cadence change as well. Like you might have been pushing, like, you know, 100, 100 cadence on the bike and then you immediately go to the run where you're pushing only like 70 cadence and your body just like so used to that repetition. Your tendons were so used to that being twisted just right in certain ways and stuff. So it's just getting used to that and like feeling tight. Like there's multiple times in brick workouts too, right? I had done like a hard effort on a brick workout on the bike and then it was supposed to be just like an easy run. Yeah. But then your body's so accustomed to pushing out this hundred cadence that I found on my runs, I was pushing this higher cadence on my runs and I and I was going way faster than I like should have ever been going on that run. But um yeah, your body does weird things when it it goes into these like endurance events and like, yeah, that's for sure. Um, I can't wait to find out what it does like on a hundred mile running race. I, you're doing that. I put, I'm trying to, most of them you have to either qualify for or, um, get lottery picked. So I put my name in for Leadville this year and for Monte Blanc in France. Oh my gosh, dude. Um, those are both in August. <laughs> so 
I think I didn't get the Monte Blanc one. The Leadville lottery is like the end of this month. So I'll see if I get into Leadville. Fingers but crossed. Yeah. So we'll see. I don't know where it's. And then there's also another one in um, Utah that uh, I can do the 50 miler without a lottery. So I might do that one and step up to the 50. But the 100 milers, those tend to go for like 24 hours, which should be interesting. I hear like there's a lot of hallucination and yeah. like. Yeah, I heard that too. From <laughs> that, which I'm kind of I'm kind of excited to see where <laughs> what my body does in those moments. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah, just pure, not even starvation mode, just like survival mode. You know, you start talking with your yeah. ancestors. But it's also like that chemically thing. What's going on in your brain? Like, it's probably released so much dopamine already that it's like, I don't know. I know there's. I wish I knew more research on like the like chemical output that your body puts through physical exercise. Um, The runner's high is real. I think those that's uh, what is that serotonin that gets released? I don't know, but like the the runner's high is for sure real. I I think for me, I start feeling good on a run after like mile two. I start feeling really good. Yeah. What about for you? I mean, it's funny because. I look back on my life and I really feel like I've only had runners like a true, like there's like the runner's high where like you feel good after a run. Like everyone pretty much feels good after a run. Their, your body releases, releases some dopamine and like that's just a natural occurrence to to running and after, especially after you're done running. Right. But like there's also just like those moments when kind of what you're, I think what you're kind of pointing out to is like the runner's high where you just feel like you can go forever. Yes. Or like, um you could push a, a really hard pace for forever kind of thing yeah and i really like i've only had those those moments like maybe four times in my entire life out of the what? hundreds of races that i've done i've only had it during like two races wow and like one was in high school and i was running the 2 mile and i literally just ran away with the whole thing it was not like and like in the like leading up to it, I didn't even feel like I was in good shape or like I didn't feel like I was in like a position to win, but I ended up winning that two mile race and it was on the track. And that was like the first time like I got I was like hooked. I was like, Holy yeah. shit, like what <laughs> what just happened? Um and then the other time <clears throat> that I had it during a race, I was doing a half marathon in Idaho. Yeah. And that's where I grew up. Um it's a pretty tough course. It's called Zeitgeist. Um, and it was like mile seven. I felt good up until like, you know, mile seven. But then we hit like this hill and I was in like the front group. It was me and like my buddy who I had been in high school with. So we trained together. And we kind of just looked at each other and we we're like, let's go. Like, <laughs> let's just drop everyone. <laughs> and we ended up running away with it. He ran like a 118. I ran like a 121 half marathon. This was like our junior year of high school, and um, it was just, it was like one of those moments where it's like whoa, like it just all clicks. And then I've had him, you know, since like just on runs and training runs. I feel like I honestly training for triathlon though I had it more often. I feel like so I'd probably say I've had it. like even just training for Ironman, going do these long brick workouts. I don't know what it is about these brick workouts, but I always felt like I was just like. I got some kind of mojo here that I can 
I can keep writing on. Yeah. And then I got it towards, and it's also, I think it's also just like finish line, um, like draw, but like when you're getting closer to that finish line, especially like in a marathon or at the end of Ironman or 70.3, I don't know how it was for you, but it was like, once you knew it was like only like a mile left or like a 5k left, mm-hmm. like for the Ironman, I mean, like mile eight in my Ironman world championships. I was hitting like 745s up until mile eight, and then I dropped to like nine minute miles and to like 10 minute miles for like the next eight to 12 miles. And then once I got to like 5K left, there was just like something in me that I was just like, let's just get this shit done. Wow. And my last mile of my Ironman was like a 655. <laughs> and then like, but like the entire race, that would have been impossible in my right. brain, right? Like, those 12 miles leading into that, it would have been impossible in my brain. Like I was just telling myself, just like stick with it. Just, just keep running. Like just at least keep um, like running movement. doesn't have to be fast. Just keep running. But then for some reason that like finish line draw was just like, I'm it's just like, ignited me. Yeah. 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 And I just full gassed it towards the end, which kind of makes me think, Oh, I could have done some more <laughs> <laughs> within the race. But like, at the end of the day, like you put forth your best effort on the day, right? Right. And um, honestly, I was pretty pleased with uh, my overall performance there. I think I could have gone a little faster just because of my my GI issues that I was having in the marathon. But well, that's um, wild, man. To be able to guess, that's yeah. not even second win. That must be like fifth win. I don't know how I could do that. Just take it off like that. Yeah. Know like a fifth win type thing and that's the thing too is like you had the same thing on the bike too i don't know about you but you probably felt it like i said before like when you're getting towards that like transition you're just like gotta get there right yeah i had this on the bike the cool thing about the st george course it was a super hilly bike course um i think it had more than like eight thousand feet of climbing in total what? that are just feet. um which like Kona only has like two thousand feet of climbing. Wow. So like the difference in training leading up to it was like I had to like really focus on hills. Um but yeah. And I the cool thing about the St. George course, the last like eight miles are like pretty much all downhill. But it's like at the very end of the bike too. So you're like you had just been climbing for, you know, four thousand feet. And you're gas, but then it's like all straight downhill right into the T2. Oh, you gotta do it. Uh, but that's probably what caused some of my cramping was, you know, going from like, because the last couple miles, it's so deep that you can't really pedal. Mm-hmm. It's just like uncontrollable. And so uh, it's probably what caused my cramp. <laughs> I like. Probably. I mean, what, you can't resist it if it's, it's basically on a platter for you. Like, let's go. Yeah. No, it's funny. I looked at my Garmin watch afterwards, and my top speed was like 53 miles an hour on the bike. Jeez. (laughs) (laughs) I think the speed limit on that road was like 45, so it was like You could get a ticket. Yeah, that's pretty sick. That's cool. (laughs) That was cruising real fast. Awesome. All right, Taylor. It was really good speaking with you, man. I mean... um, I have really fond memories of us swimming to that island on Kailua, Papua Island. Yeah, that was called. fun. What was that, a quarter mile, I think it was, swim there and back? So half mile. Yeah, it was, I think it was a half mile full. Yeah. Full there that and back. great, dude. And I really do need to thank you for that because um, I was staring at the island the whole time we were living there. I was like, I, I got to do it. 
but I can't go by myself because my, like my ex won't let me. Like I can't go. There's like sharks or something. But as soon as I shared it with you, man, like the day we met, I was like, hey, are you down? You're like, I'm more than down. Let's go. And so thanks for that. That was great. Well, that's the funny thing is the first like first time I met you when I was doing a photo shoot and uh, you and your ex and um, you like meant like briefly mentioned you were trading for a triathlon. Like, yeah. Oh, whoa, this kid's trading for triathlon. Sick. Like, yeah. let's do something together. So that was like, I don't know. I always like try to latch on to people that are because that's there's kind of a small community. But like once you like it's kind of like a brotherhood where you kind of just click you know, absolutely. There's not this. There's a really good camaraderie in triathlon and just in running in general too. So like, if you're willing, to, and that's the cool thing, it's kind of one of those things. Like you're willing to go to battle with that person, you know? Yeah. And I think kind of like, I mean, you're in a battle with your own mind, but like, if you can help someone battle through their own mind, I think that's like the ultimate goal, right? Is like, like that's what kind of racing has come to me now. Is like, if you can't help others around you, then why are you doing it? Yeah. And so like, even when I'm racing. I like try to pick up others who are struggling and I would want the same for them for me. Right. Like if, like if you're in the middle of a race, you're kind of in a dark spot, you want, you want someone to come up and uplift you or like give you that, you know, one thought or that like, come on, let's go. Or, um, how are you doing? Like, what can we, you know, what can you work through kind of thing? Um, and that's always like the uplifting part about triathlon and racing in general too, is like, especially these long endurance events where it's not necessarily like balls to the wall or, guns blazing straight out of the gate kind of thing it's um it's definitely these moments everyone has a dark time in these races yeah and so if you're uplifting other people it also uplifts yourself so like i'll find like and it takes like a a lot of like your mind preservation to like realize it but like if you're in a dark spot just start chatting to someone next to you and then like or try to be like hey man let's go or um like I started doing that in college when we would do these like long runs of like 14, 15 miles, you know, twice a day kind of thing. Um, some of the teammates would be like, you know, like lagging behind or something. And then I found that like, if I were to go help them out or just like go chat with them, get them like their mind off of the pain kind of thing. Yeah. And you can kind of channel that energy and like turn it into something positive. And I think that's like the biggest thing with running and like it teaches so much, so many life lessons mm-hmm. because like, if you can go through the pain now, then you can go through the pain later. And if you can turn that into a positive, then and help someone else out in, in the process too. Yeah. Um, then it's all all that much more powerful. And so, like, just in life and in general, like, as long as you can work through the pain, then you know, pain's not forever. It's gonna stop at some point. Yeah. Um. And so, yeah, I mean, like. I think that's the biggest thing that keeps having me come back is just like the camaraderie with other people. And like, it all goes back to like when in high school, like it goes full circle of, you know, the team that kind of brought me up and like introduced me to the pain Uh kind of thing is like, is the same reason why I keep coming back is, you know, the people that are also, I can live and work through that pain with kind of thing. Um, yeah. Next thing is like, that's, that's what it's all about. Right. Is, you know, um, being helpful to lift others. And that's the biggest thing is like with endurance sports or just physical feats in general, lifting or going to the gym or anything like that is like, if there's not support, then it can be really lonely and really hard. And like, 
Um, it also opens the doors to have direction and to, to, you know, gain knowledge and to improve yourself. And so like, yeah, you know, you're always going to learn something from someone else. Um, yeah, man. I think that's the coolest part. I th- you're, you hit the nail on the head. And as social beings, which is what we are, having that community in these dark places, in these um, moments of tremendous effort, which you don't really expect to have community, is just one of those treats. When you're in the shit and you have people there with your same uniform or even like on a race day where everyone has the same objective and they're all going through the, through the shit with you, it's uh, contagious and it makes you want to jump in again and again, which to an outsider might look a little crazy because you're doing an insane amount of distance. But yeah, it's something about that community that really, it, I think it's the glue they bring that brings people together. Yeah, for sure. And, I, and that's, I think, the biggest thing. Like, if I can encourage anyone, just, like, just try it, you know? Yeah. Like, you'll join a running group, join a triathlon club, like, or, like, go out in nature, too. That's another big aspect of it. It's just, like, being out in nature and, like, moving your body. And, like, yes. like movement yes. is life. And if there's no movement, then there's no life. And so if you're sedimentary, Let's then... Go you're you're gonna be you know stuck to the couch your whole life so if you don't do it now then when are you gonna do it love that uh you know we're creatures of habit as long as you keep doing it then i mean i've been running every day pretty much since i was like 12 years old (laughs) and so yeah i've i probably haven't had more than like a 10-day break in that whole period of time other than like if i was injured but even if i was injured i'd still be in the pool or still just because it's something you know that your body craves and it's also just if if you go back to like you know times before modern society you would always be moving always be walking 100 so yeah uh, yeah and i like what you're putting out man like you're you're putting out some good stuff so oh, thanks man yeah it's basically the same idea movement is medicine it really is you want to you want to get moving you feel better even if it's just a walk where you're not like killing yourself just breathing outside in nature getting some sun i'm so jealous of you man you're getting so much sun right now <laughs> what i mean <laughs> it's january but what's the temperature like over there i think it's like 85 today and man screw you I mean, man Come on. <laughs> i can show you my view if you want <laughs> yeah yeah if you want man i mean uh i'll show you the view here are you still in- like that are you still in Waialua, right? Yeah. That's a nice spot. Nice, dude. Just peppered in some clouds up there. You can't draw a better sky. I know. It's beautiful out here today for sure. So. For the people listening, um, Taylor is, if you haven't gathered it yourself so far, he's an animal, right? And I went over to his house once in Waialua, and you can look us up on, on Google Maps. We went to Kiana Point, which is the most western point of Oahu Island and there and back. That was like 14 miles, I think it was. And yeah. talking about this same idea we were just talking about, like you're obviously a much more skilled triathlete and especially like on the bike, you were just crushing it. But uh, yeah, you were pushing me along. Like we were trying to like finish it somewhat together. But uh, yeah, I mean, I could I could feel the, I could feel the, uh, the camaraderie like right then and there. We had met each other only like a week at that point, but it was, it's something about, about the, doing these hard endurance type activities with people that really, really is something special. Yeah, I, I totally forgot about that ride. <laughs> yeah, 
That was like such a staple ride for me. I, I did that so many times, like that back and forth between here and Canada Point. Mm-hmm. So many times. So it's just like one of those things, but it's, I'm glad you brought that up because I totally forgot about that. Dude, it's sketchy, man. I can't believe that's part of your like staple of your training because we're right, there's no shoulder, right? We're like yeah. right there and then you just see these cars just whining, like flying by us. I mean, it's good for the adrenaline, I guess, but <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I can't tell you how many cars I've flipped off, though. <laughs> <laughs> With reason, dude. These guys are getting dangerously yeah. close. Or maybe we're getting yeah. close. I don't know. <laughs> no, they finally repaved the roads out here in the North Shore. Yeah. So training, it's kind of funny. They did it all after uh, I kind of stopped training for triathlon for right now, at least. But they also opened the Wailua swimming pool now. <laughs> oh, man. Like, literally, like, a month after my race, or the world championship race, they opened it back up after it had been closed for, like, five years. It's your sign so, to get back into the Ironman, maybe. I know. I've, I've Right now, the goal is to qualify for Boston this year. Yeah. And, like, I kind of have this mindset, at least, like, I've, I've kind of written it down in my journal and everything, and, like, and, like, like, it's not to qualify for Boston. It's to, like, exceed that expectation. So, like, really, I have a goal for myself to go, like, sub 245, which is, like, a 6, 10 mile. So, like, that's my goal. Like, and I, if, you know, that, that I just get that 15 minutes of leeway time if I absolutely need it. Okay. But that's, like, if I absolutely need it. So, like, I guess, like, my mindset and, like, just going forward, too, is just, like, don't just have, like, the goals that like quit just qualifying for world championships, make sure you like you for certain will, you know, mm-hmm. like always reach for the higher. Don't just go for the standard. Love that. Uh, and that's kind of like my goal and like my mantra this year is like, don't just go for the standard could take it like a couple steps further. Yeah. And so like, that's my goal for like Boston this year. And like, I am nowhere near that right now. <laughs> I am nowhere near that pace. Um, and so, like, I mean, like, just for example, like, today I did, like, a, a five-mile progressive run. Uh-huh. And my last mile was, I guess, 623. <clears throat> but, like, I'm, like, I have to hold that. I have to hold faster than that for 26 miles. Wow. And so, like, I'm starting, like, like, January 1 was, like, start date, but I was six. So I kind of pushed it off a couple weeks. But, like, now, like, I'm in it. I'm, like, two weeks into my training, and I'm, like nowhere near the pace i need to be you know for like the full distance gotcha so it's like it's a little overwhelming but it's also like if i don't have that goal to be faster then i'll just settle for the less and i'll like just enough right i don't want to be just enough i don't want to like be at like mile 24 and be like i have to hit these next two miles at like you know exactly this pace or else i won't you know qualify i want to be like for certain like yeah Yes, I'm ten minutes ahead of that, you know, kind of thing. That's that's really so, yeah. That's a great way to do it, and you might even surprise yourself, you know. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, man, that's insane. I picked a fast course, so I should be able to at least have some leverage there, and it'll be cooler too. So that's exciting. Yeah, I might join you, man. My brother, uh, he he's gotten really into running, which is wild. He's I don't know. Are there really tall runners? Is that a thing? Because he's six four, six five. Is that like commonplace? Yeah, I would just say it's like just a longer body. So like, if you think about it, it's less. 
their stride has to be less than like someone like me who's you know five four yeah and like i was like even my younger sister she, my younger sister is like an amazing runner she's done boston already um like smashed the boston qualifying time for her age group which is the fastest age group um but she runs like a sub three hour marathon my younger sister does wow um but she's like four nine yeah and so i'm like the amount of like effort and like the amount of like your cadence has to be way higher than someone who's like six five you know yeah and she's taking like way more steps her, her legs are like you know a foot shorter than someone else's so like yeah. her stride you know um like her cadence she just has to be on top of them more so it's like it's kind of funny they're runners too tend to like marathon runners tend to be a little bit leg like lengthy oh, i didn't know that okay yeah that's pretty common and like pretty much any running you tend to have people that are a little bit like at least five nine or above gotcha but because yeah my brother he's yeah. found he's found a new love for it and uh he did a half marathon in dc and now he wants to do the full marathon in dc and he wants me to join him. And so it's in October. And so I, I do have enough time to train for that, right? Oh, totally. Yeah. What, what do you think? I'd I say do? like six months time for any, Like okay. if you're going from like, like if you've just been like running a couple times a week for cardio and then just going to to run for a full marathon, like six months is adequate. Okay, cool. Because I, don't, like I haven't adequate. really ran uh, longer than a mile in a while. I, I've been doing. Have you heard of Sprint Eight? Yeah, I've been doing Sprint Eight. Um, but for people who don't know, Sprint Eight is a like insane like hit program sequence, whatever, where you sprint really hard for thirty seconds and then you walk for ninety seconds and then you do that eight times. Um, the first time I did, I almost threw up, and <laughs> <laughs> and I made sure to do it fasted because I knew I would. I, w I would have thrown up, but uh, yeah, I mean, doing that it's gotten easier. But that's that's completely different muscle fibers you're using, obviously. So I need to yeah. I need to completely shift my training. Well, if you want someone to coach you, I have I like made, made training plans and stuff. Oh no, wait, let's do it for people. Like I call I call them like couch to marathon. So I've made like couch to marathon programs as well as like. If you want to step it up a level, there's like another level too. So, awesome, man. If if uh, I'm, I bet there's people listening to this who also want to do that. Do you have like, do you host your plan on like a website, or do they have to like DM you or? Uh, yeah, they can just hit me up on Instagram. I don't have. I could set it up on Training Peaks. Um, I just haven't done that quite. I've like, I kind of wanted to like experiment with my like five people that I was doing it with and see how they did, and then like if it, you know, if they felt like my program really worked for them then yeah. i wanted to like branch it out there so i'm kind of in that step now where i gotta figure out if i kind of want to just host on a website or what but <clears throat> yeah man i haven't like fully fledged yeah marketed it out but yeah i mean if anyone wants to to have a, a training or a coach really i'm more than happy to it's always good to have someone in your corner yeah. like cheering you on and also like having that direction instead of going out the door just going for a random run like making sure it's like calculated is always like that was the biggest thing in Ironman training too it's just like having a coach and then knowing exactly what workouts to do 
yeah um, a training plan that like is like very structured is like important because then it takes the guessing out of the game yeah and you know exactly what to do so yeah man if you're gonna do a marathon yeah man do it if you want to do a a half marathon kind of like leading up to it um come join me in utah in june in june okay that might happen man yeah yeah uh, i'll send you the info right after this and then you'll have it all right brother well dude and then i'll just sign you up actually I'll do okay. games. I don't know, you know uh, David Goggins. He does that. People really? commit to something. He'll just do. He'll just sign up for them. Uh, like on the no spot. No way. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. He's like, you say you're gonna do something. I'll make sure you're gonna do it. That's so brutal. <laughs> That's so brutal. I actually did something pretty similar. So for the first ever like seventy point three, this was, um, I think it was before COVID. Yeah, it was like, it was February or something. I talked to three other of my friends. Mikey, Daniel, and, and Michael. Mikey's always down for everything. He's an animal, right? So he and we all signed up for Chattanooga. We got on a phone call. We're like, hey, we're signing up for Chattanooga, 70.3 in Tennessee. And we all signed up on that call. COVID came, and then they're like, hey, like you can postpone this. You're not going to get a refund, but you can postpone it. Mikey said, I'm just going to I'm just gonna do the postponement in, in Chattanooga. And then by this point, I've already moved to Hawaii. So I was like, hey, I'm going to just move it to Arizona and do it in Arizona. And then the other two guys are like, oh, you guys were serious. Uh, yeah, no, we're just going to swallow the charge. It's fine. So they just, like, paid for their spot, but they never went. But yeah, um, signing people up really gets people on the hot seat real fast, dude. <laughs> It's funny because that's kind of a similar thing that happened with me. My buddy was like, yeah, let's, let's do an Ironman, like totally joking one day. And then I like signed up and he's like, oh shit, I have to sign up. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then he signed up and then like he did like three weeks of training with me. And then I think there's also like a, I have like this intimidation factor, I think on some people that I just kind of like train higher than pe- most people or like especially people that are going from like dude, couch a thousand to... percent yes dude yeah his background his <laughs> <is> pedigree <laughs> and so like i think i just kind of like i let on way too much that he needed to do like so much oh. and so he just felt like he was never gonna be able to get to that level which is partially true i don't think he ever would be able to get to my level but like from where he was at at least and he just like gave in but i was like Still to this day, I still bug him about it. I'm like, dude, <laughs> like, I got to sign you up for another one. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> You're signed up. Check your inbox. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. So I'll sign you up after this phone call and then. Oh, man, I don't know, man. I want to be in Europe for sure in the summer. So um, oh, right. I, the October, I think it's October. It's the the Pentagon or it's, it's the Washington DC full marathon. I don't know who's hosting it, but that's going to be in October. That's the for sure. Like I told my brother in his face, like we're doing that. So, yeah. Well, if I don't qualify for Boston for whatever reason in June, I kind of have like backup races and I'll maybe I'll consider that one. I have a sister-in-law who's out in DC. We can mean to go out there. So, Oh word. Yeah. We can make a whole thing out of it. Yeah. Or if, um, we might be going to Switzerland too this summer. Oh, sweet. I don't know. Well, sweet. So Enjoy, if man. you're there in Europe, maybe we'll have to, to meet up. 100%, man. We'll, we'll, we'll make it happen. I know it. Because you, you say cool. what you mean. Obviously. I'll, I'll find some race to find, I sign you up for, for sure. <laughs> you're an animal. All right, man. <laughs> All right. Cheers, right, man. Take it easy, brother. Good, good talking good to you. Good talking to you, man. Peace out. Cheers.